You are listening to Life and Leadership, a podcast designed to connect life and leadership today so that you can flourish tomorrow. And now your host, Daniel Kitchell. Welcome everyone to Life and Leadership. This is Pastor Daniel. I want to thank you so much for joining me here today, where it's going to be my joy to help you lead with love so you will love to lead. Well, we've had quite the first week here on this show. The very first episode landed on Monday. And because you, the listener, shared it out on social media, texted it to friends, you got in your Spotify account and clicked the share button, we hit over 100 downloads of the first show. And for that, I am so overwhelmed and thankful because you helped me do that. And so continue to be right in the middle of this growth and this show gaining an audience and gaining traction. And I will be so thankful. It means the world to me that you took the time to do that. Everything you want to know about the show is at danielkitchell.com. There you can listen to the show by clicking the player. Also click the follow button and you'll be subscribed to the show immediately. And so you'll never miss one when it comes out. Also, whatever platform you use to listen to your music, your books, your podcasts, they're all there on danielkitchell.com as well. Click the Spotify link, the Apple link. It is all there for you to make things super simple. And as I want to do with most shows together, let me lay a question at your feet. We all want to lead with love. We all want to find the leader within us. And so allow me to ask you this. Do people know more about what you are against or do people know more about what you are for? Let that question sit for a moment. If someone could describe your life, would they be able to tell you and tell others that that person is known for being angry about that or that person is known for being against that? Or would people be able to say, this is what this person believes in. This is what they stand for. This is what they're about. Today, are you known more about what you're against? Or are you known more about what you are for? In our world today that's so divided and so angry and so tense, the world aches and craves for people to be known what they're for. People that will stand up for right things, that will be courageous and fight for things that are beautiful and stop yelling at the darkness. There's a difference and we're supposed to shine our light. And so today, let's be known for what we are for rather than what we are against. Well, you are in for quite a special moment here today as I'm going to be sharing with you an interview I had with Kim Heineke. Kim's going to come on here in just a moment and she's going to share her heart with you about parenting. She is so wise. She is so passionate. She is a a thought leader in parenting and just has so much experience with failure and with success. And she wants to tell her story to you today. And I just know you're going to be overwhelmed and blessed by what she has to say. And my advice to you would be to take this episode apart in small portions. We are going to get deep. We're going to get wide. And the beautiful thing is, is that you can space this out because there is so much there that can literally change you as a parent, change you as a person, as I know it did for me as I interviewed her. The great thing, though, is that when you get done listening, if you go to DanielKitchell.com and you're there on the player for the actual episode, click the notes button and you'll be able to pull the transcript up of everything we said together. And so you can go back and read that. And I think that will help you a lot to process everything that will be laid before you today. Well, without any further delay, 
let me introduce you to Kim Heineke. Kim, welcome to the show today. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're going to tackle a subject today that I think is near and dear to the hearts of many parents out there. And we all want to be better. We all want to do better as parents, want to be stronger, yes. want to help our kids um, thrive and, and be the best they can be. And I know as a dad myself, I want to I want to do the same. And so we're going to really, really focus on parenting with wisdom today Okay, and talk about what that really looks like to put wisdom in front of your children yes. with your words, with your actions. And so we're going to get there and take many different routes to, to talk about that main thing today. But before we get to that, I think it's important to understand where you've come from okay, and uh, to know uh, where, uh, you know, why you are the way you are as a parent and the things you experienced as a child, um, even um, later in life, things you experienced as a single mom, all yes. the things you've gone through. Yes. And I remember listening to you just uh, recently about your childhood. One of the first memories <laughs> you have as a, a kid was that you, you saw that your father had been shot. Yeah. That's a little, that's a little dramatic. Yeah. No kidding. And I figured that'd be just a, a great platform for you to start today and tell us about why that happened. What, what does that mean for sure. you as a kid? And Yeah, I'll tell you, it's interesting how childhood trauma sticks with you. Right. And I do remember when I was, I think I was about five years old, I remember coming in from school and to see my dad laying in this huge beanbag with this uh, pink blanket over him. And, and my mom was kind of hushing us to be quiet because he had been shot. And I'll not ever forget what that feels like to, to see something like that. I learned very quickly that you don't have to be a grown up to have grown up problems. Wow. And that actually happened because my, um, my dad, who has since passed away, not from that incident, mm. but since passed away, he was um, an alcoholic and he, he did drugs. And that was just a result of a drug deal gone bad. And we didn't know it at the time. Mm. The reason that's significant in my, in my life is because from, that early memory of my dad goes right alongside with the earliest memories of my mother, mm. who was such or is such a faithful follower of Christ. Wow. I can remember her praying for us and with us and probably against us <laughs> a time or two. <laughs> um, but just my entire life, as, as off trail as my dad was, my mom just pressed into the Lord. And so at, at my age, at almost 51, I can honestly say everything I learned about leading with wisdom in the home comes from my mom. Mm. So lots of, lots of ugly in between there, lots of, lots of hard things, but also lots of watching my mother tell us about God's faithfulness right. and show us how good he is and leading us to pray and watching the Lord provide for us and watching my mom connect the dots so that I, it wasn't when I was 35 that I understood the faithfulness of the Lord. I understood it at age five or age six or age 10 and all those ages in between. So, so your mother just modeled that wisdom for you. And what, what's, what's the one thing you would say that has, has gone with you as a mom today at 51 years old? And what's the one thing you say, would say your mom gave you even at that, that early age of five and seeing all that trauma? It's even tender now because at, yeah. at this moment, and, and you know this, my mom is undergoing treatment for cancer. Mm. I'm watching the exact same thing now that I was watching when I was five. Mm. And that is my mom giving language to the work of the Holy Spirit in her life. At age five or six or 15 or 20 or 30, when we were younger, she would always verbalize 
she would verbalize the the work of the Holy Spirit in her. She would always say, girls, my sister and I, God is good and he is faithful. And even when it doesn't look like things are coming together, he is good and he can be trusted. And at this age, I'm, I'm watching my mom be her physical body being weak. And even on the phone this morning to hear her say, God is good and he is faithful and he will provide for me, you know. So it's that continuity of modeling her trust in the living God. And that rubs off on kids after a while. Did it rub off on me the first time I heard it? Probably not. The hundred thousandth time I heard it? Yeah, it did. After a while, it sticks. Like we become what we think about. And my mom has always been so vocal and so not obnoxiously so. Like nobody (laughs) likes an obnoxious mom who makes every conversation a Sunday school. Right. But she did model that well. And after a while, after a while, you believe it. Yeah. She says it so much, it just becomes a part of you. It's it's part of her. And then you think, well, yeah, you know. Well, I my heart's with your mom today. Thank and you. seeing the, you know, I can obviously see the, you know, the emotion on your face right now yeah. and knowing how much you care about your mom. and But also just seeing it in an outward way with your words and carrying that on. And, you know, a little bit about you. Uh, I know that you're the mom of four boys. And, yeah, and uh, I'm living to tell about you it. You are, and you're living <laughs> to tell about it. Uh, I'm the father of one boy right now who, he's a teenager is what I like to call oh, him yeah. because he is, yeah. he is every bit of that. But uh, I, I just was wondering, um, in the spirit of talking about wisdom, you know, you have a 14-year age gap between your kids. Is that correct? I do. Yeah, my oldest is 24. Okay. And my youngest is 10. So the 14-year age gap, how would you say your parenting or parenting kids in general mm-hmm. has changed <laughs> from that youngest to the oldest. I mean, my mom has this, you know, my mom right. has the same, a very wide gap between her youngest and her oldest. And I always give her just grief about how different she was with my younger brothers <laughs> compared to how she was with me and my, my brother, Dustin, my twin. And um, so how would you say it's changed? I mean, how would, what would Great you talk question. about in that? I probably should publicly apologize <laughs> to my, to my two older children who yeah. are, like any anybody else, you don't really know. You don't really know what you're doing. It's all a mom experiment. Mm. You don't really know what you're doing until you've until you've done it. But I would say number one, the way it has changed, as I have grown in my maturity in the Lord. Mm. Like I thought I was mature at 26 when I had my first baby, and it's not that I was too young for the first. I was definitely too old for the last, but it's fine. Right. So, but as I have grown in my maturity in the Lord. I have really learned to trust him in hard things and in unknown things. And then when the father actually does prove to be who he says he is, you learn to trust him a little bit more Mm -hmm. and you learn to release control a little bit more with your kids. In the beginning, it was all about, and whether I said this or not, it really was about what are people going to think about me as a parent? Mm. And I was pretty wrapped up in that. And I don't think I'm alone in saying that. I think even if people don't want to admit that out loud, most people would say inside, "Mm, I'm a little like that too. It was, I did not want people to think that I was not a good mom or didn't have good control of my kids. I wanted them to look a certain way and to sound a certain way and behave a certain way. And then as they grew up, I realized despite all of my efforts to be the quote, perfect little parent, they're still human. And they're still going to make mistakes and they're still going to embarrass me and they're still going to yell in Target. You know, when you give them the the Vulcan grip like you do <laughs> right. and you're 
five-year-old yells, you're pulling my arm off <laughs> like you always do. And people are looking at, I mean, those, those things are still going to happen. Right. But then as they got older and I had walked a long, hard road with them, you start to see I should have spent more time parenting their heart rather than managing everyone else's expectations. Mm. So with my younger kids, my focus is different. Of course, you do get to be older and you don't look like you did when you were 25 and you don't sound like you did. You don't do the things that you did when you're 25 and you actually care less about what people think because you have more perspective. And so with the younger boys, and I have made many mistakes with them as well, but my my focus is different. My yeah. focus is not on what is everybody going to think about us? Mm. I've got to paint this perfect life to these are the people that I'm entrusted with. And right. my my time is finite and I care about their heart, not so much what everybody else's opinion is. Well, and it, it, so it's you're, changed. Oh, wow. That, that's so, that's powerful. I, I think that what I heard you say is that it wasn't so much that the times have changed, but you've changed. For sure. And that you sure. have matured and you've grown and how you view things. And um, so, you know, you've, every, every parent has hard times. Um, we're all going to have hard times. And a lot of times we, we are more worried and concerned about what people think about our mm-hmm. parenting than we are about anything. Mm-hmm. And we get wrapped up in that identity and that. And so, you know, as a mom, I, I know... Um, you've gone through difficult things with your your sons, and right. um, and if you want to talk about some of those difficult times that you've had, those those years that were difficult, um, we'd love to hear about that. And then, I think m- most importantly, as you discuss those those difficult times, how did you not internalize those <laughs> times and just beat yourself up for that in a way that? It was all your fault yeah. or, or you had failed or you're worried about what people think about how your kids are doing. So, uh, so can you speak to that? Yeah, that's us today? a great question. Pretty, pretty loaded question. Yeah, absolutely. There. With my older boys, now let me say, I'm in a sweet spot with the younger kids yeah. because they're 14 and, and 10. So we haven't really dipped our toe into hard things yet. Mm. But with the older boys, they had some heart wounds. You know, their dad left me when... The oldest was two, and the younger of the older ones was about six weeks old. Mm-hmm. So we had some. There was some real. There were some real heart wounds there, whether they knew it or not. And they both, in their own way, struggled with some different things. One of my sons struggled with some depression, and really debilitating depression. Wow. Another one of them has you know, messed around with substance abuse that you're like, as a mom, you're like, really? Maybe you shouldn't be doing that to your body. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Rethink it. But in all of those situations, my mind would always go back to what I learned as a child, watching my mom press into the Lord, watching her trust Him, watching her depend on Him for every, literally every little thing. Mm. She was a single mom for a number of years. So I'm trying to even go back to our original question was, tell me, our, ask no, me the just, question No, again. I just want to know how you, when you know, you've got a son that's struggling with depression or, or one that is, um, you know, like many teenagers and young, young people yeah. struggle with substance abuse or being tempted by those things. How do you, how do you not look at those gotcha. things and, and think, man, that's my fault. Yes. I failed them in some way. And. Um, cause I, I know for yes. a dad, I mean, raising my son as a two year old, I, I have this sometimes fear of the future that whenever yes. he does something mm-hmm. wrong, I'm going to think 
I just failed him or I let him yeah. down. Yes, I'm back on track You're now. Great. I got a little, awesome. got a little sidetracked. You're great. It is super easy to look at that and think, well, that's that's my fault. It's because I was divorced or it's because I did mm. this wrong or because I did this wrong. And I don't know what it was. I I know I felt like that in the beginning. But also when we when we become people who are in the habit of laying our things, our emotions, and laying our heart bare before the Lord, mm. it gets a little bit easier to depend on Him and trust Him and to Amen. hear from Him. And to I just let the Lord minister to my heart and I didn't take it personal for a really long time because also when my kids were acting ugly, I would tell, or my, I had a friend that would say, I didn't treat, I didn't teach him to behave like that. And I'm sure that I, I made lots of mistakes, like make no mistake about it. I'm as messed up a mother as there is, but also I'm a messed up mother walking with the living God. There you go. You know, and that changes everything. Absolutely. So to that parent that is listening, thinking I have done something. I just don't know that we have the power to really mess up our kids or to really straighten them out. Their little hearts are on loan from us, and we do what we can do, and we let God do the rest, and we can't take any more credit for the good things that I'm going to punish myself for the bad things. Mm -hmm. And all of those hard, ugly things that happened, every single one of those, without a doubt, opened up a door to speak some truth, some spiritual truth to my boys in a way that was very tangible to them. Wow. When they were younger and they would ask, you know, like, how come we don't see our dad? Or they would ask questions. It was a little opportunity to say things like, you know, your dad's not here. But let me tell you something. We have a heavenly father who will never leave us. And whenever they were older and they were getting into trouble, and it was just an opportunity to, to show some grace to them and speak God's word to them, in a, in a setting that they would understand. So when we're tempted to take it personal, mm. it's, it, I mean, we just, we can't take it personal. We live in a broken world and everybody, we don't get to choose for our kids. If we could choose for our kids, all of my boys would be in seminary or on the mission field or something. <laughs> of course. I mean, it would look so different than yeah. it is. And I'm sure my mom would say the same thing. If she could choose for me, it would have, it would have looked different, but we, we can't take it personal. It's, we just trust God with the story, you That's know, right. and it's it's That's his really story good. that he's writing on their hearts. And it definitely doesn't look the way that we thought <laughs> it should look. Well, and I, I know this and God loves family mm -hmm. and he created family to display his love and mm -hmm. order and function in the universe. And I, I truly believe that. And I think what I fall into a lot in in my um, outward of showing that I, you know, my outward you know, actions to show that I love my family is I, I have this spirit of control sometimes. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> but, it's, <laughs> but it's there for me, yes. you know, and I want to control every little thing and I want everything to be perfect. And, and I just love what you just said. And the fact that we don't have that much control. We don't we really don't. We can steer, we can guide, we can influence, but when it really comes down to it, our children have the choice choices to make for themselves. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. Uh, when I hear your story, it really speaks to me because I saw a lot of really bad things yeah. growing up yeah. and divorce and alcoholism and drug abuse. And, you know, I buried my father um, at a very early age because of his habits, and the yeah. things that he had done. And, but I, I was able to, with the help of the Lord and through my relationship with Christ and the church, 
I was able to set myself apart from yeah. the dysfunction of my home. And so I'm sitting here today as an example of that, exactly. that there's really, you can only do so much. And sometimes kids are raised in the greatest homes ever. Exactly. And they still go off and, and do their own thing. Um, but I, I want to go back to, I love the word that you said. You can't take it personal when your yeah. kids misbehave. My, my two-year-old son, the other night, he literally punched me in the face. <laughs> like it's hard. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. It's great. But at the time... When he punched me in the face, I, I just really was upset about it. Like, For how, sure, yeah. how dare you <laughs> do this to your 42-year-old father that is putting a roof over your head and all of the things <laughs> that I do for him on a daily basis? How dare you do that? And I, I sometimes I do the same thing with my, my daughters. You know, I'm in a blended family. And yeah. I've got two stepdaughters that are amazing. But sometimes even when they misbehave or they don't show the respect mm-hmm. that I think mm-hmm. I deserve, I can internalize that and think to myself, they're, they just don't like me or, yeah. you know, or I'm it not doing feels something personal. right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying it doesn't feel personal sure. because it for sure does. That's a really. When your teenager that's true. is acting seriously, so reckless <laughs> and you know, you're getting ready to make another phone call to a parent and you're going to have to say, listen, I'm sorry. Sorry. My kid may have pulled you into that or or whatever. I'm not even saying that for me personally, specifically, but I know those situations sure. when you have to kind of own up to something that may have happened and your kid was part of it. It is really easy to, it's really easy to come down super hard on them mm. and because you are taking it personal, but what I am learning, and I'm not even going to say learned, what I am learning to do is to even stop in those moments and ask the father to give me eyes to see their heart instead of just their behavior. Because so what good. I have definitely learned in this whole thing, it has been more about what God is doing in my heart to grow me than it is about the behavior modification of my kids. Mm-hmm. And and that's where we get it turned, we get it flipped around. I still get it flipped around. But I can tell you, having been able to say, okay, Father, help me parent their heart. Help me see where they're broken. Give me an opportunity to speak life and to speak truth into them. And 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 like you take all those little seeds and do what you want. I can't fix them because as my friend would say, if words could change a person's heart, we'd all look different. That's right. But words don't change people. We have to use words with our kids, but I can lecture all day long. And my kids are like, all they hear is Charlie Brown's teacher. <laughs> like they're over it already. Of course. You know, but just but learning how to learning how to look at it through a different lens. Yeah. You know? See see their heart. And I, I want to repeat what you said because I think it needs to be said again that all the things we feel about our kids and how they might act or how they might embarrass us or they may not do what we ask them to do or they're not measuring up. You know, it feels personal, mm-hmm. but is it personal? Right. And I think that is such a clear distinction we have to make because I don't think my kids are out to get me. Sometimes no. it feels that okay. way. Maybe every now and then they're out to <laughs> yeah, get us. Okay. Can true. we just be honest about well, that? Let's be honest. You, you might be, you might be <laughs> on to something there, but I, I immediately jumped to that though. Like they're out to get me yeah. or um, it, it's personal. And they, you know, and I, I just do that immediately. And, God's got to really break my heart of that. And we get there as over time we learn to pray for them differently. Mm. I stopped praying, God, help this kid get it together or help this kid get it together or help this kid not to do this or this or this. And truthfully, my I mean, my prayers are, I mean, maybe I've just like really dumbed it down <laughs> at this point. 
I constantly am just praying, God, just bring light where there's darkness, mm-hmm. you know, and that's to them and that's to me because he is certainly, he has certainly brought so much light to ugly places in myself that need to be changed. And that allows me to interact with my kids a little bit better. If, if I can see them as this is not who they're going to end up in the end. This is where they are right now. Right. What's my what's my call? What's my my task right now in this place in their in their development? Like what would the father have me speak into life to them? How can I guide them? How can I train them? How can I ask great questions? Mm. You know, to get them who they're going to who they're going to be, knowing the whole time I'm not changing any hearts here. Yeah. You know. That's God's work. Exactly. And, yeah, absolutely. And I, I do like to help him with that. <laughs> I know. And, 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 <laughs> and tell him what to do. <laughs> sure. And the saving work is his work. We're just a part of it, you know, and can be a part of the story. Yes. And, and like you said earlier, just the the idea that these, their souls are on loan to us. I mean, exactly. Just their, their lives are on loan to us and God is trusting us with that. And I, and I think that, and this is kind of going off the road a little bit here, but I think that especially in the United States today, we... Our culture is is very kid centered. Oh yeah, and, and not that that's a ter- you know terribly bad thing, but I I think when we cross that threshold of our identity mm-hmm. is wrapped up in our kids and how successful they are, how they behave, what they do, what they become. A lot of parents transfer their identity as a mm-hmm. person onto their kids. Yep. And I'd love for you to talk about that and and maybe how you've maybe seen that in your life or what we can pay attention to as warning signs. We're not going down that path um, about identity as a parent, like looking to our kids for that validation. I do see a lot of people doing that Mm. and I've done it. I've done it plenty. I'm, I'm, I'm just would keep telling you I've done all these things wrong. I know how to do all these things wrong. (laughs) The best thing that we can do for our kids when we want to, when we're too wrapped up in them, mm-hmm. is to keep the perspective that 20 years from now, here's what I want my kids to be about. Here's the character that I want them to have. And if you can keep looking ahead to think, this is the character I want them to have, you're less likely to get wrapped up in the here and the now. The here and the now is important. And what I mean by that is, I'm not, I'm, I'm not as concerned with how they look to the world right now, I want to model for them what it looks like to grow in character, knowing that these things just really take a long time to develop. Right. If I can teach them how to think through a decision or how to see it with a different perspective, then I'm not as, I'm not as wrapped up in them. I mean, I, I, I think it's super dangerous. It's super unhealthy to be that wrapped up your identity that wrapped up in your kids. There have been times when my husband and I, when we go to bed at night and we're like super stretched and frustrated over a kid issue. Right. And literally the only thing either of us can mutter is I choose you. (laughs) And the other one will say, I choose you too. And it doesn't always sound friendly, but it's just an affirmation. It's just a declaration that, listen, I choose you knowing I'm going to live with you longer than I'm going to live with them. You know, and when you don't get wrapped up in that, when because if we're wrapped up in our kids looking, if our identity is transferred onto them, we're really placing a lot of pressure on them that they were not created for. And it teaches them nothing about godly perspective. Mm. 
And if my kids, like my kids know, they're like, well, she's going to have to ask dad before we do whatever. (laughs) Or, you know, like you, and you know, you even hear them say things like, well, she'd rather be hanging out with him than hanging out with us. I mean, probably you guys are little brats sometimes, (laughs) you know, we can always call, I have boys, so I can say that. Yeah, of course. Say what you have to say. Say what you have to say, right? They'll never, they'll probably never hear this. But when you do that, and then I'm looking at my older kids on the other side of this, Mm. and I really am seeing the fruits of this. I'm seeing them have a different, healthy respect for relationships and for my walk with the Lord and for my conviction. I don't know if that's the word, just the way I am submitting to the authority of God. I feel like they're seeing that now at 24. They didn't appreciate it at 12. Can we just talk about how they don't appreciate it? No way. I mean, they don't understand it. Yeah. But over time, as you model it, you keep looking 20 years from now, what do I want them to see? I want my sons to see how to, what does wisdom look like? Because it looks totally different to a 10 year old. 10 year old's just mad that you won't take them somewhere and spend all your money on them. (laughs) You know, it just looks different. That's their perspective for sure. So don't get wrapped up in your kids. Like get wrapped up in, get wrapped up in the living God. Amen. And then you, all those things just happen naturally. Are they hard? Yes. Are they messy? Of course they're messy. But all nothing stays the same. When times are hard, nothing stays the same. When times are easy, nothing stays the same. When it's hard, things get better. And if they don't get better, you get better at yeah, hearing from the Holy Spirit. And then you, all of a sudden you've grown into this person that is living it out and your kids are there to see it. They get a front row seat to to see it. Well, and I, I just want you to know that as I'm hearing you talk, everything- with my hands no, flailing everywhere. Great. No, I'm hearing you and seeing you talk with your hands. <laughs> it's great. But I think that you always keep going back to the same thing. And that's the heart of the Father, the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, running back to what God wants. And and if I could picture you know, my life as being a successful father, it'd be that I'm full of the love of God, yes. and I'm so full of it that it just spills out onto my kids in a way that's healthy. Yeah. And I don't, and I kept thinking about the word, the pressure, and I thought of the word weight that we put on our kids sometimes, mm-hmm. that they, they don't have the shoulders to bear. No. And we put that on them. It's just, it's harmful and it's damaging. And, and as a coach, I'm a, I'm a football coach and I see that. Yeah. I see the dad in the stands that is just, you can tell his every bit of emotional well-being is yeah. tuned into how well his kid is playing on the field or it might be the mom that you know their their identity is attached to how successful their daughter is in school i mean mm-hmm. we could go down another a number of different ways but i love what uh trip says in his book about parenting um he talks about how silly it is for us to tie ourselves up into decisions that like a seven-year-old is going to make. Right. <laughs> like I've got That a, takes some pressure off it, me because sometimes I, my kids don't make great decisions. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I, so I was reading that and I'm thinking, I have a seven-year-old daughter and why would I allow my emotional well-being to be tied up into her decisions? Mm-hmm. But I do it. Mm-hmm. You know? We all do it. Yeah. And it's just, it's just something I really, like you said, I just got to I gotta focus on the right thing and my identity being in God. Yeah. And know that he's entrusted me to do the best I can. It's the best and, I can. And I want to say like it's such a Sunday school answer. It just is sure. to say like, oh, our our identity has to be in Christ. But for everybody that's listening, friend, that's that's all there is. It's mm. all there is. You know, just yeah. what you're saying, like, don't want to be defined by a seven year old? 
or by the heart of the living God. Like that's, that's all there is. I'm watching, just as I said, I'm watching my mom be as consistent at her age, going through really hard stuff as she was when I was five. That's all there is. Thank God she did not wrap her identity in me as a teenager or me winning. Well, actually, I never won the spelling bee, but being in the third grade <laughs> spelling bee, you, do you know what I'm saying? Like We're going back. We're going like way it. back. There's some, there's some heart wounds there. <laughs> but I mean, praise God, she did not base who she was right. on who I was oh, at that yeah. age. You know, man, that's just well, all there is. And, and it's just such for me. It's in a, it's such an emotional way to live. Yes. The ups and the downs. It's and there's exhausting. No, there's no, there's no person on earth that can make me more proud than my son and also make me more sad. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when I, mm-hmm. when my emotional state is connected to how he's behaving, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be as up and down as a behavior. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh and, yeah, that's good. And so do you see a lot of mo- an emotional trend with parenting right now? Have you, you feel like you see that in our society where we are parenting not from wisdom and consistency, but we're parenting from emotion? For sure. And and I think that's human nature to do that. Yeah. It's human nature to to behave that way. But it's it's even harder in today's world, I think. I mean, you are we're walking around with the internet in the palm of our hand and we can scroll through and see everybody's perfect life. And, and, and we know these things, like we know being able to see everybody's highlight reel is dangerous to us, but still we become what we think about. And if we're always thinking about the image that we're putting out there, it is so easy to lose sight of their heart. It is easy to parent out of emotion, but, and maybe this is different because I have boys (laughs) because with boys, you don't give them a long discussion that is full of emotion and full of the words like, love and feeling like you don't do that because they <laughs> do not care unless maybe you're eating with them. They, right. then they might care. But I have learned to just speak matter of factly about the things of God that I know to be true. And I've also learned to just slip it in there and just metaphorically, if you will, lay it on the table and gently slide it over awesome. and let them do what they want to do. That's with so it. good. I cannot, I cannot change them. Yeah. And I have, I mean, that would be a fantastic podcast <laughs> if I could figure that out. But yeah, I can't. we could go two hours on that. So yes, there's no yes. doubt. So to, to wrap this identity part up real quick, do you, I mean, someone that's out there listening right now and they're, they're trying to figure out, am I, am I wrapping my identity up in my children as my emotional well being tied up in that? What would you just, just off the top of your head? I mean, what are, what would be some warning signs? for parents to pay attention to that would help them diagnose if that is the the way that they're, you know, operating yeah. as a mom or a dad. Let me tell you how I know that that was happening to me. Whenever they would something would happen in their behavior and I would first think what are people going to think? Mm, that's you nailed it. And if if I'm yeah. when I'm concerned about that, I know it's all about me. Right. And I like to think I'm humble, but it's not but you know, not always. And then there are those seasons of life where where they do something or something happens to them, and I immediately think, "Father, tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Tell me how to parent this kid. Show me how to shepherd their heart." That's how you know yeah. if you are if if your first thought is, "What are people going to think?" 
or if you're, I mean, you can take a step back. We don't want to admit it. We do not want to admit how deeply we rely on our kids to, to make us who we are. Right. But. Well, and I, I wrote down on just my notes here as I asked the question about signs and warning warnings that we need to pay attention to is, is the word reputation. Yes. When we're focused on our reputation more and, and what people think about us, yes. I mean, I think that's the biggest flashing signal that we are operating as a parent and pressure and putting weight upon them and our identity is wrapped up in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, and I think the thing that we need to be really you know, mindful of is sometimes we don't even realize we're doing this. No, most and of it, the time I don't yeah, think we do. Yeah, and it becomes like the norm for the child. And so maybe even today the people are listening just need to pray about that mm-hmm. and say, God, I, I want you to show these things to me. Mm-hmm. If I am doing this to my son, if I'm doing this to my daughter, I want to know and I want you to pull that out of me so I can correct it. And I don't think that you might fool yourself, but your kids know when you're doing it. Mm. Your kids know when you are reacting out of a place that's trying to protect your reputation, as you would say. Your kids know that. Whether they can put language to that or not, they know that. They also likewise know when you are responding to them from a place of of wisdom and wanting to meet their heart right where it is. Yeah. They feel that. They know that. And you get far more equity in a relationship if you if you're there. God, that's so good. Well, I I you kind of brushed on it. And so it's it's a great transition here for us. But you mentioned that, you know, we we have computers in the palms of our hands mm-hmm. and this everybody's business is out in front of everybody mm-hmm. and everybody's got their best foot forward and all of that. And so what I want to talk about is for the first time in history. You have children that are literally, um, you have children that are, they, they have a digital life mm-hmm. and they have this real life. And, and, and I, I know that as and I was a school, school teacher for a long time and seeing this, that there is this pressure out there to have this digital life and this actual real life. And as a parent, what wisdom do you have for that? How do you, how have you navigated that personally mm-hmm. as a mom? What do you, what advice do you have? You've got a, uh, your youngest son is how old? He's 10. Yeah. So he's coming up to that age where, you know, these things are a big deal, social media and being online. I mean, what, what can you offer there for a wisdom in the di- this digital time where it's a hard question? It is a it tough really, one. Because I, my I'm old, looking forward to yeah, well, your advice. We might Trust need to me. make something up here. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, my oldest son has no social media. Okay. He has just chosen that himself. Okay. So I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I didn't do that. You know? <laughs> and my my other son, my older one, he he I think he has like Instagram. He probably has other things that I don't know about. But I, maybe it's a bigger deal with girls than it is with boys. Yeah. I can't really speak to I think that. You're probably right about that. I would say to, I would say to parents. You push that off as long as you can. Your kids aren't missing anything. Mm. All they're actually missing is knowing how to go outside and shoot hoops or how to ride their scooter through the neighborhood or how to make friends face to face with people. Like we buy into this lie that our kids have to have. They've got to be connected like everybody else. Your kids aren't missing anything. The longer you can delay that, the better it is. My 13 year old, he's 14 this month. He just 
He just got a phone. He has no social media. And okay. my ten year old, as far as he knows, he's not getting a phone till he's like fifteen. And he, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say fifty. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that would be better because he can pay for it at that yeah, point. That's a good point. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I mean, I would say parents don't get sucked into thinking your kids have to have all of that and limit it. And as long as you can fight it, don't give it to them. Yeah. It's destructive. Absolutely. You know, and it just I know in my own life how much time I can waste scrolling, looking yeah. at things that I don't care about, people that I don't even see every day. Why do I, well, I don't care what you did this weekend, you know? And, and, I, and model that, model that. Like yeah. if they think that you're always on your phone, then they think that's what's acceptable. Like what they see us do is what we're training them to be acceptable. Absolutely. So like, I don't I, know if I, that answer is no, that. I mean, I think that the wisdom there is that you you wait as long as possible. You don't cave to the pressure, right? That every kid's got this. Every kid has to have it. I mean, there is. We could spend several minutes talking about the studies out there that yeah. how harmful social media is, and and all the the emotional um, damage it does to kids yeah. by seeing things that make them feel inferior or less than. And I do believe that if you were to really focus on girls, it's probably way worse for it probably girls, is. Yeah. You know? I and can't speak to that specifically. No, but. I can't either. But I mean, as a person, as I mentioned earlier, being in the school system for so long and seeing the the repercussions of some of these things, yeah. just some of the even some of the bullying that goes on yeah. and some of the um, just the the lack of worth that goes on when you are being compared to other people. I love it. Delay it as long as possible. You know, our daughter, um, Abby, you know, she is, uh, she's 13 and, um, she has no social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a hallway rule in our house. The phone does not go down the hallway. Yeah, it's good. And so, and we didn't have that rule originally when we got her, her phone, uh, just a, you know, a year ago or so. Yeah. And, but after talking with other friends and getting advice from them, that was their rule. Yeah. The phone doesn't go up the stairs. It doesn't go down the hallway. And now we see our daughter more. Yeah. And, she seems happier and she's playing with her brother more and her sister. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I just think that we have a huge responsibility as parents. And, and I love what you said about modeling that yeah, and, and providing that example that my phone is not going to be right in front of my face all day long. And my kids think this is how I'm supposed to live. Right. You know, so. I mean, why would they not? Yeah. No, no doubt. Like that's what we're teaching them. There's so many things to think about in parenting and, and maybe you're getting there and talking about wisdom absolutely in the, in the home. And I think you and I have talked a little bit about it's modeling wisdom for them is so different than just setting a good example. Mm-hmm. For me, what I'm learning as I'm modeling wisdom in the home, giving language to what's going on in my head, connect, you know, like saying to them, here's why I do this, asking good questions. You can be, you can turn your parenting world around if you learn how to ask really great questions. And not the questions that say, where are you going? What are you doing? You know, <laughs> for example, our, when our interrogation, in, yeah, don't yes. interrogate them. Although that totally has its place of course when it it's necessary. But when our older boys were younger and they were going out on the weekend and they would say, what time do I have to be home at night? A few times we learned to just say, what do you think is reasonable? And they'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, and they would, I think they knew enough. They knew better than to say one o'clock. So they would shoot out a number. Midnight, and we would say, uh, well, that seems a little late for this activity that you're going to be doing. How about, and we'd throw out a time. Yeah. Can you live with that? And they would say, well, 
yeah, I guess. We'd say, okay, I think that's reasonable. Can we agree on that? Learning to ask really great questions. And that models to them what is reasonable, what makes sense, what's my decision, why do I think this, rather than interrogating them, barking orders, teaching them how to make decisions, how to think through something as often as I can when it makes sense, not when it's a Sunday school answer, (laughs) but when it makes sense, I drop little nuggets of spiritual truth to them because that's my job. I don't have to go into a long dissertation, but I will say to them, I'm trying to think of a, of a really good example. I will drop, whether it's scripture or um, biblical principle to Mm. them and just let the Holy Spirit do his work. It's good. As they're like choo, 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 on their way out the door. Well, and I, I think too, like when I, I try to picture my mom and my teenage years ask me, well, what time do you think you should be home? And and to me, it's like there's there's a teaching of responsibility there too. Exactly. And buy-in. Exactly. That I'm allowing you to be a part of this decision process and and knowing, modeling, um, and connecting the dots of like why we want you mm-hmm. home at a certain time. Mm-hmm. I lo- Can you think of, I know it's again, just kind of off the top of your header, but I like the idea of like asking good questions. Yeah. Like what are some other good questions you you could say that you ask your kids that helps you see their heart? Yeah. We would, um, we often ask, how do you feel about that? Oh, good. My son, my 13 turning 14 year old had a hamstring injury and he was, he couldn't practice sports for a couple of months even, mm. you know, and he's learning to deal with disappointment. Now, whether he could put that into words or not. So we would say things like, man, Jack, I'm sorry that you're having to deal with disappointment. Like, how do you feel about that? And letting him say, blah, 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 you know, talk about it. And then you can connect it to the truth of God's word. Like, I know you're disappointed. And in this life, we're going to have trouble. Scripture even tells us we're going to have trouble, but we can put our faith in in Jesus because he overcame the world. This hamstring injury is really disappointing, isn't it? And you feel frustrated and sad by that. But what we know to be true with our sadness, we can take it to God. And do you know what I'm saying? I yeah. connect the dots like that. So you can ask, how do you feel about that? When they, one kid who shall remain nameless and <laughs> ageless had his car impounded mm. for some um, naughty behavior. And so whenever he wants <laughs> to call and say, my car is locked up, blah, blah, blah. And you say, gosh, what are you going to do about that? Uh, And not in a, well, what are you going to do about it? But giving some language to to teaching them what wisdom looks like. Wisdom looks like you sit down and you think about what you're going to do and you learn to think for yourself. And then they would say, well, I don't know. They would come back with something and you can offer some suggestions and then you can sprinkle a little bit of God's truth in there. I would say one of the, the best things I've learned to do in modeling wisdom is to just be matter of fact. And not be controlled by my emotions because when it's your child and they are, something has come up good or bad, we can be off the charts with our emotions. Like you talked about, just learn to be matter of fact, just learn to ask really good questions. How do you feel about that? What are you going to do about that? With my older boys, now I will say to them, because I'm still a mom, still (laughs) a mom. So when they come over and they want to talk about something rather than just spewing out all my wisdom that I think they should be on the edge of their seats for, I might say to them, Hey, I've got some thoughts about that. Would you like to hear them? Mm. And it's like getting permission. You get permission and they'll say, sure. 
Sometimes they say it like that. Sure, mom, what do you want to say? There's not exuberance usually. No, I mean, maybe they're not jumping up and down, but the older they get, they'll say, yeah, that's why I'm telling you this. You know, so you just, you learn to be a safe place with your, with your words. And when you do that, like when you're safe with your words, when they have a problem, they will come to you because they know you aren't just going to tell them what to do. There's a good chance you're going to, you're going to walk through the whole process with them and teach them how to think about it. I. That has to be said again. Just the question, how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. It's so simple, but that little adjustment on the dial mm-hmm. can just be so huge. Because what it. they, what you, what they think they're upset about when they say it out loud. Okay. So maybe he was upset that he couldn't play football for a couple of months, but what he's really upset about is he doesn't get to do the things his friends are doing. He feels left out. He feels whatever. And when you say, how do you feel about that? It's a little window to their heart, like you said. And it, it, and then the whole time you're thinking, okay, Father, show me where to go with this. Tell yeah. me where to go with this. And so, I mean, it's so easy to just ask kids a, a bad question, and I do it on the daily. Yeah. Let's be clear. I do it on the daily. To ask them a question that doesn't really open up dialogue like mm-hmm. that and to shoot off some answer so that I can get on to my next task. Right. You know, well, and it seems such an empowering question to give them the freedom to respond. Mm-hmm. And and I think kids, I just, I, I've really never thought about how simple that question is. And I'm, I'm feeling like I have just never really asked that question. <laughs> Your family's going to be like, why do you want to know about all our feelings? <laughs> no, all of a sudden? I, I just need to do a better job of that. And I, and I feel like really led to ask you this question. It's not on my notes, okay. but I, I feel like, you know, you mentioned your older son. Mm-hmm. He goes through some serious depression Mm -hmm. and through other things I've listened to with you and and hearing your heart here today, he, it sounds like he came to you Mm -hmm. and said, I am not okay. He absolutely, those, those were the words. I'm not okay is Mm -hmm. the words that he used. It takes a lot of work and perseverance to get to the point where your older son, your oldest son. Yeah. Can come to you and say truth like that. Yep. Talk and about that. Yeah. He was in college. He had gone to um he'd gone to college and it, he wasn't there for very long whenever he called and said, Mom, I'm, something's not right. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay. And he would let me, because we have this history, because I've been doing it since they were young, he would let me pray for him on the phone, mm-hmm. not turn it into any kind of crazy, you know, anything. Not you don't want to be intimidating. You don't want to be obnoxious with the word of God. You just want to be full of it enough that it comes out naturally in those situations. But he, yeah, we have a good relationship and we were able to talk openly about it. And I think by that time he wasn't really, he was open to it. And because I've been speaking in love to him for a long time, plenty of times I spoke when I shouldn't have. I don't ever want to paint the picture that this person on this mic has it together. I do not just happened to know a thing or 12 about, <laughs> about some of these things. Yeah. But we did, we did have a, a good relationship. And even with the other boys, even if it's a season where I thought some correction needed to be made mm. and he wasn't open to it, he still would listen to me. He would still give me the respect because he knew those boys know that, that my, my heart is before the father on their behalf mm. for 24 years. Like they know it. Wow. And they know that I am 
I'm going to sit up with them in the middle of the night and take care of them when they're not well. And I'm going to, I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to, I'm going to do everything, including not rescue you from your own sin. And they, they know that. So you, you build that equity with them. I think whenever, whenever my first husband left me, I remember thinking, okay, well now there's nobody in the house to tell me, um, Kim, not every day has to be, you know, you don't always have to be talking about the word of God or whatever. And I didn't, you know, there's certain things that you'll do in front of other people you won't do in, or there, you'll do in front of your kids that you won't do in front of other people. <laughs> of course. And I just remember thinking, well, okay, fine. If I want to, if I want to pray with them, then I will. If I want to speak God's word boldly to them, then I will. And you just started, I started to make a habit of it. So when they're 24, it's just this, it's the same thing that I learned with my mom. I learned that from my mom. I learned that what's in the inside came out in her. And and at this point in life, I've told my sons this. I know far too much, and I've seen far too much for you to convince me otherwise that God is faithful, and He is good, and He is merciful, and He is full of grace. You could not convince me otherwise. I know too much. And that's what I want. That's what I want for the kids. But if we never give language to that— that's what I think it looks like as a parent in our leadership at home. Poor leadership is full of coercion and control. Right. And I've done those things and it did not work out well. The other kind of leadership says, I'm going to submit to the ultimate authority, the ultimate leader. I'm going to submit to the living God. Yeah. And y'all can come along for the ride. You know, you, you can be there, but I'm no longer dragging you with me. I've told the boys in seasons where they say, I don't know if I want to go to church anymore. I just don't know if I believe what you believe. Every teenager says that to their parents. And to that, I've replied, okay, well, I'll tell you what, while you live in our home, you get to go to church with us. You get to. You get to. And that way, when you leave home and you choose for yourself, at least you will know what it is you're walking away from. Mm. So I'm just going to give you all the tools that you might need. Let's arm you with this information. If you leave home and you don't want to follow the Lord, that's your business. Right. And the whole time, the invisible me is like, what? <laughs> but I don't know. That that's was a good. tangent, no. but that's just another example well, of how to, that's just another example of like trusting the Lord with them. Well, and I think too, I keep just he- feeling, you know, that we as parents, we have to create this safe space for yes. them. And when we're up and down emotionally, when we're leading with coercion and control, it's mm-hmm. not safe. No, no. And and I, I have to, I you know, don't want to try to be too prophetic here, but if I, I, I bet if that safe place had not been created for your oldest son, mm-hmm. he he wouldn't have felt comfortable no. telling you how he was feeling or how he's really exactly. doing. And and so I don't know that there's a greater thing we could do to show wisdom for our children, just to create that safe mm-hmm. space for them, that place where they can come and talk to us and no matter what they tell us, we're gonna we're gonna offer our our love to them and we're gonna offer our wisdom, but they have the freedom to come yeah. and share their hearts. And I want to piggyback on that just really Please. quick because being that safe place and saying to the boys, you can, you know, you can tell me anything. Do not misunderstand that with a lack of and I know you don't, but want to say it for your listeners. Sure. That is not to be misunderstood with a lack of boundaries and consequences and things like that. Because when my children have done things that are not ideal, I have said to them, you can count on me to be a parent of my word. 
and, and, you know, you give consequences and you can say, I'm telling you that I love you and I'm doing, you can, you can count on me in both situations. And when those, that safe place also comes from, from boundaries with them, everybody wants to feel safe. So I don't, I don't want to misunderstand. I don't want to misconstrue anything that I'm saying, you know, by, oh, it's just all about parent their heart. I mean, sometimes you got to bring your, you got to bring your grounding game. (laughs) You got to bring it. So, yeah. And it sounds, it sounds pretty and lovely, but there are those times when you have to love with with toughness and firmness and there has to be consequences. There has to be results of things that they've done. And, and I appreciate you, um, Speaking to that, because I, I think it's something that needs to be spoken to. And so kind of to maybe pull all this together mm-hmm. in wisdom, just kind of two different um, angles to take here. I think with our words, we we can offer incredible wisdom, the things that we say. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to ask you a hard question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what, are, what, are, what is something that you feel like that, you know, you maybe said to your kids in their life that you wish that you could take back or things mm-hmm. that maybe you voice to them. And I don't mind breaking the ice for you if you want me okay. to, I can tell you, Yeah, you know, one of the things that I wish that I, I feel like God's done in my heart is I, I've said things like this to my stepdaughter. I, I say things like, well, why can't you act a certain way? I mean, I'm, I'm doing all these things for you Yeah, and I'm, I'm your you know, I've, t- you know, basically I've become your father and I'm doing all these things for you and I'm pouring my life and you know, I'm working hard to provide for you. And I've actually said those things yeah. to her in a sense of like, I deserve this. Mm-hmm. I deserve for you to respect me. I deserve for you to uh, do certain things. And it's just so arrogant. Yeah. And it's so it's, I, God has just really convicted me about that. Like I, she doesn't need that pressure. Yeah. Um, and for me, I, I've, I've put that on her. Uh, and I'm, I'm new to the dad thing. You know, I've been a pastor a lot longer than I've been a father. Yeah. I've been a coach a lot longer than I've been a, a husband. I mean, I, this is all new for me. God is molding me, but that's one thing that I know where God has just corrected me that yeah. I don't need to put that on her. Like you, I deserve something from yeah. you. And in a way where she feels like I better say these things or act this way because he pays the rent every month. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's absurd, but I'm just saying that out loud for me. Yeah. Um, so what words, I mean, what could you say? Maybe things this is that, an ugly way to it's end t- it. Well, we're not going to end it here, <laughs> but, I promise. But, but, I, but I, I just think that it gives people comfort to yeah. know that, man, we we say things, but we can stop saying those things. Yeah. Okay. I have said, I have said things like, what is wrong with you? Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, like, pass the tissue. Like, <laughs> what, oh, what a parent has that. not said that? I mean, and, but true. And I can see my kids, one kid in particular, I can see their face when I've said to them, like, dude, what is wrong with you? Yeah. And I, what a terrible, I mean, in the, in some of those situations, what a terrible thing to say. I mean, he's human. Yeah. He's broken, just like me. He's in need of a savior, just like me. He's, he's caught up in, his sin that looks different than mine, but just like me, you mm. know, like, what do you mean? What is wrong with you? Oh, I just wish that I hadn't said that because I don't want my kids to walk away and think there's something wrong with me. I would rather them walk away and think, man, I've got some broken places. Yeah, And maybe that's just semantics, mm. but I've said that. And I have also kind of to what you 
um, what you mentioned, I have given them the impression that they need to perform mm. for me. Like I am certain, I'm a hundred percent certain I have made my kids feel like my love for them is conditional mm. on how they behave. Sure. If you don't talk back and you get your homework done and you make your bed in the morning, then I will love you. And all the while they could be going out on the weekends doing real sketchy stuff. But if they check all the boxes at home, right. like I have, I have like had, I've trained some, I've done some good Pharisee work at home. <laughs> I mean, sure. Probably absolutely. because that's how I was, you know, as a kid, but right. I've, yeah, I've probably made them feel less than and not enough. Well, and I, I only asked that question because I just think that people need to know that you and I are, we're, we're just trying to grow as well. And, For sure. and that's it. I don't, I don't want anybody listening. It's a good question. Yeah, just it's to a good think. Question. And it's caused me to recognize just things I've got to be careful about. I mean, I know I've asked my daughter, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Like, what is your problem? I mean, oh, yeah, that's just, a good one, too. Just, what is your problem? <laughs> I mean, well, hello, what is my yeah, problem? I'm seven. That's my problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just it's just a change in, in vernacular there, the sense of like, what do we what do we really want to get out of them? And so, yeah. and I, I don't, I wasn't going to try to be Daniel Downer there at the no, end. No, no, it's a great but, question. But, it, it, but I think, question. I think it leads us to what, what words do you find yourself saying they're affirmative that show wisdom to your, to your sons that you, if they were sitting here at the table right now with us and that you weren't here. And I said, what are things your mom always says? <laughs> okay. Well, they will, first of all, they will say, well, that's dinner. <laughs> And then they'll say, my mom says, be a problem solver. Oh, good. Um, be a problem solver. That's yeah, they good. do say that. I'm certain those are the things yeah. they're going to they're gonna talk about. Oh, that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, I try to, you know, as my sons get older, I try to use language and words that I think touch the heart of a man. Mm. I will say things to my sons. If I say... That I love them. Yeah. I will usually say, I mean, instead of texting that to them, I will usually say to them, I really respect the man that you're becoming. Oh, wow. Or I really admire how you treat your wife because my oldest son is married. Even Recently my, married, right? Recently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just in the last awesome. four or five months. Awesome. So, inst- and that's specific to boys. You know, I, I, I want my husband to say he loves me mm. more than I want him to say he respects me. But I just know the, I know the triggers for my sons. I know that they want to hear that they're respected yeah. and admired and honored. And, and so I will, I do try to use that language with them. I'll just say like, I really, I love how you honor me. Yeah. And even instead of saying, I love how you love me. So I don't know. Like if I had to learn a whole new gender, I would just shrivel up and cry. I mean, four boys is all I can handle. So I don't know what you say to girls. My mom has four sons and a daughter, and she and I all respect my sister. She she would tell you that every all four were easier to raise than the one daughter. I so. mean, bless the Lord for giving me four sons. That's there all I can go. do. Amen. That's good. Well, I mean, I, um, you know, I'm trying to, you know, get to the the heart of you know, just modeling this wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about you and how you do things, but how does it work with your husband? I mean, what, what different role of leadership mm-hmm. does he have in your home in regards to wisdom than, than you do? That is a good question. And I'm asking because I'm, you know, I'm in this blended home. and Right. I and mean, we well. have a blended it's family. It's a very selfish question for my No, heart. it's not. We have a blended family. <laughs> but I want to know just kind of what that looks like and how you work in 
tandem as a team and, and uh, yeah. what aspects he brings to the table. He, his leadership looks a little different. His leadership is maybe a little, I don't, uh, his leadership's a little more vocal than mine. Okay. You know, he, he, his personality is one to, I don't want to say lay down the law. He kind of sets the tone. Right. This is what we're going to do. Here's what's expected of you. And we are both learning. We are both learning how to be a more grace-filled home. Yeah. Uh, you hear people say it all the time. One of my dear friends always says, relationships over rules. And we have had to learn that the yeah, hard way. That's good. We've been so good at rules. He and I, my <laughs> husband and I are both firstborn. So there is a checklist oh, yeah. of what needs to happen in our head. But um, unfortunately, all of our children aren't firstborn, which really works against us because they don't have the same <laughs> checklist in their head. So his leadership looks like his leadership looks different, where mine is maybe a little bit more subtle. I mean, moms, moms have a different place than dads. But I but it, but again, it looks the same. It looks right. like asking good questions. It looks like letting our kids see us depend on the Lord. Like we don't. I don't think they think we have it all together. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure they are confident that we're confident in the Lord. Is, do you know what I mean? That's great. Oh, that's I feel really like well they said. see that. I feel like they would say to you, mm, "My parents, my parents love God imperfectly, but as much as they can, they do." Yeah. And so, you know, for for Chad, his leadership looks like honoring me and affirming me and supporting me in front of the kids and the same with him. We don't have to we don't have to agree with each other. <laughs> like we could save yeah. that for a for a little tiff after dessert <laughs> yeah, if we yeah. want to, but um yeah, I don't know if that really no, answers that's your a, question. That's great. Or... I mean, cuz I think that is different and there's nothing wrong with it being different. Yeah. And I think that every person has their role and I I'm learning that with my wife and uh, and our children right now. Um and I, and I know this is kind of a it's a big question, but I think it will help us wrap this up today. And you, you alluded to, you know, we want to parent the heart mm -hmm. and I, I, I know that's a big subject. Yeah. It's very large, but what, what at the base, what at the base level does that look like okay. when you say parent the heart of a kid, what is it not? And what is it? It is not parenting for the here and the now. Right. I desperately want you to make your bed and brush your teeth. Can we just talk about brushing teeth? Like, just brush your teeth. I don't <laughs> want to tell you to brush your teeth. But when you parent to the heart of your kid, you are really taking a moment and seeing them. Like, not just like, not just seeing them, but like really seeing their heart. And it takes a lot of work and a lot more time than I want to spend on a whole lot of days, if we're yeah, being honest. Sure. And it is. It is a constant walking with the Spirit to say, show me where Jack's heart is. Show me where I need to be present. Show me the questions I need to ask. Show me what I need to do. And it is it is not looking at their behavior. We've talked about this. It's not just looking at his behavior. It's looking at like where he is emotionally and spiritually and, and parenting to that. If I want them, it's, I mean, you're a football coach. You want your guys to whatever it is you want them to do in a game. Like here's <laughs> want them to win. like a terrible analogy when I don't <laughs> no, know anything about great. it. You want them to win. You want them to be able to do certain tackling drills or catch a certain way. And so you're tailoring your, 
your your drills in practice to get there. Yeah. If I want my boys to be husbands who know how to honor their wives or husbands who who seek the Lord on hard family decisions, then parenting their heart means as long as they live in my house, I show them what that looks like. Right. I if I want my son to honor his wife, then I teach my children how to honor me. Mm. And I expect it and I help them see when they're not. That's great. You know, when I was a single mother, I used to put um this started out as a joke, but now it just continues and now it's it's pretty much how it goes. For Mother's Day, I would put on the list of uh, I would put a list of Mother's Day demands on the refrigerator. All right. And all the things that I wanted to happen on Mother's Day. <laughs> it did start out as a joke. But but after a few years, I just thought I'm just train I'm training them how to how to honor me. I'm right. training them how to honor their wives someday. So every mom listening is like, that's a wonderful. It's idea. a great idea. You should. <laughs> yeah, it's very effective too. That's good. You put things like a nap and put all the things you want for Mother's Day. Oh, that's so. I, I love. You know, when you say parent their heart, you foc- You don't focus on the here and the now. The, you the don't. Do list you can't. And the checklist. You. You're, you're, you're working towards the future. Mm-hmm. And I say it all the time to, uh, I actually, you talked about football, but I, I would just tell my football players that their heart's the most important thing it about is. them, who they are inside is the most important thing about them. And, and that's what we need to pay attention to the most. You know, we've covered a lot of things today and I, I know that there's so many nuggets in this interview that have just been so good. And I'm thinking of about seven or eight of them right now, yeah. but to um, to speak to finally here today, that parent that might be listening, they're they're maybe struggling a little bit with their kids, yeah, and they're not maybe seeing the results that they like to see. They're not they're not feeling encouraged by their child's behavior or the response. And so, would you just speak mm-hmm. to that to them today? Offer encouragement, wisdom to those parents that might just be in that place today with their children. Yeah. I just want to say, if you're listening to that, and that is you, and you're feeling like, oh, I've messed up. I'm doing this all wrong, whatever it might be. I wish I could remember where it is in Isaiah, and you may know, and I've quoted the scripture before, so I should know where it is. But it's the one that says, he gathers the lambs in his arms, mm. and he he, carry, he carries them, yeah. and he gently leads those who have young. Mm. And that picture in Isaiah, when I think about that, and I think about it a lot, it's Jesus carrying my kids and gently leading me, like moms and dads. We are the ones who have young. The Father will lead us, and it's never too late to start. And as much as it sounds like a Sunday school answer, there is no other answer. Right. When we press into the Lord and we beg Him and we say, Father, You've entrusted these children with me. Show me what to do. Yeah. Like, show me where to go. Show, tell me what to say. I know that feeling of desperation to think, God, I've done all the right things. I've said all the things. And still, this is not, I didn't sign up for this. Like, mm. this does not look like what you, what it's supposed to look like. But without a doubt, and every single time, God changes my heart. And I can't see all the pieces of the story, yeah. but he, he does his work when I submit to him and when he just, his word is true. Like he really does 
work things out. Amen. Rarely it does. does it look like what no, I want it to look you're like. Absolutely right. But I would say to you, mom or dad, don't be discouraged by this. Just like listen to this and think, okay, today's the day I start, and it 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 definitely starts with us. Amen. Um, what goes in the bucket, or what goes, what is it? What's in the well comes up in the bucket. That's right. So you want to raise kids that have a heart for the Lord. Have a heart for the Lord. You want to raise angry, bitter kids? Keep being angry and bitter. I've done it both ways, and you definitely get the results that you that's in the well. Wow. You couldn't have nailed the final statement there any better. <laughs> You're going to get out You know what's inside. It's that simple. And, yeah. and I just would say this to every parent, from my heart to your heart, and even God speaking to my heart in this very moment, it's never, ever too late to start no. doing the right thing. No. And, and that's one, that's our encouragement that we want to offer you today. Kim, is there anything else today that you would just like to add in conclusion? Anything else you'd like to say in, in, in closing? Oh, I don't, I don't know that there is. Thanks for, okay. thanks for letting me share my heart. Yeah, and um, absolutely. Yeah, well, you, you have certainly challenged me and I cannot wait to see um, the blessing that this will offer to many others. And so Kim, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Wow. What can you say about that interview other than God was all over it? When I interviewed Kim, I could feel his presence everywhere. With each question, every answer, all the stories that were shared, it impacted me greatly. And I hope that you felt the same. What is in the well is going to come up in the bucket. What is inside of you is the most important thing about you because eventually that is going to come out of you, whether it's your parenting your relationships, your marriage, your friendships, the way you work, the way you do everything, your walk with God, the most important thing about you is what is inside of you. Well, it's been an honor to be a part of your life today. I hope this show just encouraged you, it challenged you, and it changed you as it did me. It's always going to be my joy with each show to help you lead with love so you will love to lead. Thank you for listening to Life and Leadership with Daniel Kitchell. We hope that you're with us again next time as we connect life and leadership today so that you can flourish tomorrow.